Welcome to Following the Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for The Leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we are talking today about Season 2, Episode 2, titled A Matter of Geography. Uh, what did you think of this second episode? I thought it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be on a roll. Even though it's a flashback, I, I guess I expected more repetition. I did too. In this episode. Like I thought what they did show double of was super meaningful and yeah. like a little bit of a twist and i mean i thought coming in this episode man if they don't show what the hell kevin was looking at on that couch i'm gonna be pissed they didn't and like even before <laughs> they got that scene halfway through i'm like oh i see what they're doing they're going they're they're i know exactly why he looked at the couch now like yeah. i don't have to guess and i need to see that to know maybe patty was there maybe he's because he feels like I'm sure Patty. A guy who's always braced. Like, he's always tensed to be hit by his insanity. And sometimes it comes, and sometimes he expects it to come, and it's not there. And I think that's super interesting. So Mm. maybe Patty was lounged out on the couch saying some weird shit to him, or maybe he was just braced for the punch that never came. I didn't need to see it, and that shocked the hell out of me. This show continues to surprise me with what I expect and what it delivers and me being okay with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I I thought I would be fairly bored through most of this episode, but it was standard riveting leftover stuff. Yeah. Um. So if you want me to take point, there's one thing I want to check in with you on as as far as the intro. Do you love the intro yet? I skipped the intro this time. Oh, but it was it was it was for time purposes. I I actually find that I am really really liking it. Like I. It as was the case last season. The more I look at those pictures, the more I see like little stories in them. Sure, and I think the lyrics are just amazing. Like mm-hmm. it, it is a little sing songy and and saccharine, but I feel like that juxtaposed with what it's showing. With it's just like I said, the preview cast. Like it's super fucking effective. Yeah, and I feel like there's some of that tied into, you know, there's a lot of that tied into the show. I mean, some of the stuff that's said in this episode, like when uh, Jill meets with Tommy and she's like. Yeah, yeah, we're all okay. We're all okay. Well, maybe to you, Jill, but your dad's freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Your new mom is freaking uh, the fuck out. Like, yep. none of them are okay, <laughs> even yep. if you are. So that kind of saccharine, like, glossing over the surface of serious problems underneath sure. is definitely there in the show. The other thing I want to talk about is, can can we talk about the weeks ahead and the leftovers? Did you watch that? The weeks ahead. Yeah, it's what's that? Uh, it's essentially what's coming next on, but it's like no. this season on. I I don't think I did. I wish I hadn't hmm. because it's one thing for like Sepp and Wall to say something crazy happens in the first three episodes, but imagine like if in the trailers had shown the cave woman walking around. Oh yeah, like I mean I you know I'm not a big spoiler phobe, and I'm not saying this ruined it for me, but there was some glimpses that I really wish had just kind of washed over me. And I wish I could unsee some of that stuff. I wish I didn't and, know and, that and Patty it, was going to come back. Yeah, and things so little things like that. I'm. I know I kind of took this weird position on The Walking Dead, where it's like I'm going to back way off on the comic spoilers and stuff, and people can still talk about them, but I'm. I don't want them fresh in my mind. I think I'm going to go ahead with this season, not watching next week's on. Yeah, I don't really need to. I I think that it's like, I want, this is a selfish desire, but I want to just approach this with all fresh surprise. Now, if you, Mm -hmm. the listener, yeah, you, 
if you want to incorporate these, because I know that there's going to be some things that are probably going to confirm some kind of theories and where we're going. And I know that's fun. And if you want a little bit of extra evidence, I'm not going to begrudge that. And you can write it in and I'll even read it on air. But I'm, I am i don't think I'm going to watch it like because I was kind of bummed. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited because there is some just crazy go nuts shit that yeah. it's hard to believe. And I remember like last season had a similar thing like, wow, this this season's going to get crazy. And yeah, wondering how they're going to connect the dots. Yeah, I'm 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 really curious, but I kind of wish I didn't know because like seeing that first episode just is completely unexpected, but also so brilliant. I kind of want to have that for all of the episodes, but yeah, speaking of connecting the dots, I really like how they, they've, they've separated out these characters and they're kind of weaving their stories in together in these first three episodes, Mm -hmm. at least in the first three, I don't know about uh, subsequent episodes, but you get a little bit of Jill's mom. I don't even remember her name. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Tommy here, you can see them both come visit Jill Uh, you know her mom doesn't actually go inside but you you get the idea that we're going to see that next week we're going to see everything leading up to that and probably after that uh and and get like all these stories are touching each other in interesting ways sounds dirty that's where it's not well i thought it was very meta the comment that uh uh, patty made about i'm not sure if you're a part of their story or they're a part of yours because like i'm I'm right with you they're crazy patty and the thing about it is they made the Murphys so interesting on yeah. their own that I don't know if I care whose story it is. No, frankly. honestly, I I don't either. Um, because last season's episode was gripping and interesting without me even wondering where the Garveys were until they showed yeah. up. And then I was super into the Garveys and then, oh, shit, it's the Murphys again. Yeah. Lots of – and we see how their story is intersecting in several key ways. I just want to start talking about it. Um, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I really liked how music was almost omnipresent in his character space, and they did a good job yeah. of showing us that this was a distraction. He's trying to distract himself from mm-hmm. the the weird ghost based PTSD he's got with cat uh, with with Pat, Patty, mm-hmm. uh, and also distract himself from like the mundane issues of dealing with a child and and I I felt like it was a good key yeah. to his mental state, and sometimes it made sense. Like okay. He's listening to his iPod, and sometimes the music was just there without any explanation, but I thought it worked really well. I thought so, too. Uh, I want to talk about the wonderful piece of writing and acting that the confessional scene was. That, where... where <laughs> Okay. I yeah. mean, just the way he dragged his feet, like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm doing... And the way his voice caught when he's like, I'm not drug her to a c- cabin... Like I can't the the whole time it's like a man uh-huh. who does not want to be doing something desperately, but by sheer force of will, he's forcing the words out through his lips, and he's almost surprised at what he's doing. And then at the end, where he's like, "Also, I smoke," <laughs> which is the worst sin of all. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's this long pregnant pause, and she's like, "I hire prostitutes to shoot me," <laughs> and I kind of expected Bill to be like, "I stole the baby Jesus," and yes, yes, but she. Interestingly enough, Jill did not confess any of the crazy stuff. I mean, I don't think anything as crazy as what Nora and her dad I were getting. I think up she's to. done anything that crazy, yeah. But you know, she wasn't talking about spin the the iPhone or anything mm. like that. And then they say it's okay, and I kind of like okay. I even though this is the leftovers and it can't be okay. In the moment, uh, I believed, yeah, this is what these people need. There, this is this is brutal honesty. 
something about that scene hit me the wrong way. Like really? these people are bonding over truly insane actions. Like, but it's an insane world. I get that they are all looking for some something to grasp onto in an insane world, but I I don't I don't know if I can condone these people just like confessing that they do all of this crazy shit and well, everyone just being okay with it. I mean, that's the thing is like I don't think it'd have been different if Kevin said I killed Patty. Oh, certainly. He yeah. abducted her and then tried to let her go and she killed herself. That is I was actually thinking about this last night. What could this show do? And I'd be like, oh, no, this is so out of character. This is so <laughs> uh, preposterous. Because they built a situation where I fully believed and actually thought was justified for a town to lose its fucking mind and go on a mass vigilante spree. Yeah, That is some really heavy lifting. I fully believe that you can have a department of sudden departures, that you can have a national for- forest services come in and make a national park out of the town of Jarden call it miracle like that's the biggest sure. ask and that's still like okay your tab can cover that lindelof right now yeah no it seems like i just i guess maybe i'm looking at this as too much of a normal world perspective maybe. here maybe i need to get a little more in the head of kevin but, and nora but and you alluded to this like kevin wants to be okay Oh, certainly, yeah. But he's not. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he's ever going to put his life together, but I desperately want him to. Like, I'm really pulling hard for Kevin and Nora here, and I don't want to yeah. see them destroyed, but it seems like inevitable because they're building this future for themselves on sand. Like, it becomes immediately apparent yeah. that, like, Kevin... Mm-hmm. um that Kevin is is a lot more unokay than Nora is, but well, he's he's not okay in a very different way. I think like Nora has her own issues. She's looking desperately for a place where she can be safe, and yes. she's willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Um, whereas Kevin is trying desperately to rid himself of of this thing that's kind of infested him this guilt complex of right. wanting his family to be gone and but then be cursed to have them around and, and you also wonder like how much of it is him actually being crazy like his dad and how much of it is well, like and they the continue to play with natural like, or yeah his guilt or Indeed. whatever it is that that's the thing he's dealing with and i almost feel like they could be each other's rock in a way they could, but here's the thing. Why but is he, he needs con- to confess it. He yes. needs to tell. I was about to say, why like, is he concealing this Patty stuff? I, I don't know. And ever since she's dead, I've been plagued by her ghost. And she tells <laughs> exactly. me to do crazy things. Yes. When like, I... It's almost like this is a very American thing. It's okay to do crazy things, but hmm. confessing that I'm actually not sure I'm possessed of my... Uh, mental faculties is yeah. so stigmatized that like you can say I've abducted person. I might've murdered someone. I hire, but to actually say, Hey, I think I need help is like a bridge too far. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. that's too real. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is, like you said, the social stigma of it and how much of that is him thinking. I don't, I don't know. It's gotta be rough for him with his father having gone through the same thing and just not wanting to follow in those footsteps, you know? Like I've been depressed. And I remember at one point when I was at the death of my depression, I started talking to myself a lot 
I started articulating, like, am I losing – is this what losing your mind feels like, like uh-huh. having these conversations with yourself and, like, realizing that you're doing it? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is I Tom get, Hanks I, crazy I, in Castaway? I did get some therapy um, about a lot of different stuff, but I – I wonder what it's like to be in a situation where, again, because I don't know if this is really happening to him, he's really being presented with this vision, or if this is a science-based mental chemistry issue, brain chemistry issue. I really don't know, but I wonder what it actually feels like to be inside uh, someone that's undergoing some kind of psychosis. Well, the scarier because thing, if you can't trust I mean, yeah. your own, if you can't trust what you're seeing and interpreting with your brain, what the fuck can you trust? Nothing, nothing. And that's that's a scary thing about his sleepwalking too, right? Is it's not only that he's seeing these things that he can make conscious choices to ignore or but when it's happening, deal with, but when he has no control over his own body, it's like yeah, pod people sort of. Thing, he's out right? nailing it's, shirts to trees and trying to drown himself. It's, yeah. That's a serious problem. So it's like, which is more terrifying? The fact that you're losing your mind or if you're not? Like if these things, which is, is it more terrifying to think you're just crazy? Or is it more hmm. terrifying to think you're sane and you're actually experiencing these real things? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. I'll I let feel you like know his, once I, I get I feel like there. his father knows the answer to that. I think he does. And, yeah. that's... and the answer is in Australia somehow. <laughs> Um, Which we'll talk about. I also thought there was something interesting in his kind of distracted and lackadaisical parenting. Um, the fact that, like, he's almost in denial about this child. And I think this manifested in his confusion about the hearing time for Dot. Like, how do you fuck up? You have to be here for an official hearing to see if you can adopt this child if you want to. Um, speaking mm. of which, what did you think of the adoption hearing? That was interesting. Um, like, every time so this... The- this show touches on a weird segment of society that's been impacted by the sudden departure. I always think it's super interesting. Like, I bet this departure really did make a mess of the adoption department. Yeah. And there's tons of traumatized parents that can't deal with their children, and there's tons of children that are just orphaned by their parents that have died. Like, yeah. And this guy's seen some shit. And he's he's like, <laughs> uh, you want one baby? I'll make it too. Like, so here's the thing. Like, I, I was reading this on Reddit, and someone was like, "Oh, well, it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense that a one month old would be in this situation, right? Like they would be pushing these one month olds because they're at, the cute ones that everybody, you know, they well, no, no, just because the departure happened before that. Ah, uh, so it's not like this baby's parents were departed and it got their stuck baby's in the parents system. could have committed suicide. Sure. Yeah, I, I bet there's a lot of aftermath that goes yes. on. With this or they've thing. been ruled mentally incompetent, or they joined the cult, or yeah, with spouses disappearing, and it's kind of it, it probably like I mean, I wonder what it's like, and I've ne- I, I actually genuinely wonder this because it's a it's a thought I'm having right now. Like during a big war, like World War II, what do orphanages? What are they like? It's got to be pretty shitty. Yeah, like I mean, just I'm, stocked. I'm to not the talking rafters. about this country, but like in Europe, where yeah. sizable portions of the population got killed, and I just wonder, like, what that's like, and and how this would be different, and how the surplus would be the same. inventory. That's what surplus that is. inventory <laughs> is what they've got. <laughs> so, what did you make of the the end of this scene where he's like, "Oh, you want an extra one?" Does that mean that is that a way of telling the audience that this is one of the more normal? more adjusted I, couples that's one that's of the things i have that yes that is a shocking like despite even, what they thought they were going to be perceived as yeah and like they these people oh we're not going to like almost desperate denial of the fact that they're separate which i thought was clue number one that they're not really okay that's a problem yep 
but yeah, the fact that these guys did like not a lot of their stories, but he's like, you know, whatever this. Yeah. I mean, they've made a universe where I believe that an FBI or a federal agent would let a, mur- a person go that murdered someone just because, yeah, they had it coming. Right. That damn Patty. Yeah. Well, we hate the guilty remnant. Yeah. They're, they're fucking shit the guilty, up all right? across the, the nation. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, an interesting scene, too. But also, uh, the, the, the other thing about this distracted dad routine is uh, it also could just be a nod back to season one. You know, that woman that was just, you know, talking on her phone and ignoring her baby and then it just went quiet. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin met her later in a bar. Like, that could just be a nod back to that. But I, I think it's something deeper. I think it's something like he's going through the motions of this felt so right. It was meant to be. You know, he comes home hmm. and Nora's going to take off. This whole baby changed this event. And now he's desperately trying to keep that feeling going. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the reason he's trying to keep that feeling going is because it gives him something to focus on other than Patty's coming back. Yeah. And there's a beautiful shot where he's in the laundromat and he looks over and he sees this rack of white shirts. Mm-hmm. And he's like a little bothered by that, you know? Well, because it's it reminds a guilty remnant reminder. It's also a reminder yeah. of the time he went and nailed his shirts to a tree that and, and it, it's like beat the that's piss before, out of the laundry mat guy that's before patty is returning right yes so that's patty that's didn't return until she was dead yeah which you could be forgiven for thinking that she's in a ghost and i honestly don't know the answer to that yeah did she ever exist who knows uh, and there's this really great musical montage of him like looking at the burnt out buildings and trying to repair the washer and this constant intercut with these jump scare type cuts of this reminder of like Peggy, Peggy, Peggy with a baggy, Peggy with a patty, Jesus, with a baggy over her head and yeah. her slit in her throat and burying the body and like this like very traumatic stuff. And I mean, when didn't when he, when, when he was at the store and he's buying this, like, okay, this is kind of shades of Fargo. He's going to repair and get a new washer dryer and all this. And he's buying this stuff. And then he just grabs a shovel as an impulse. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh man, I I just can't say enough about the construction of this scene where it just felt natural that of course he's going to go dig up Patty. So his idea is and I'm, I'm going to get this off my conscience, right? I want to be caught. I I need to be punished. And maybe a little bit of I'm going to make sure she's actually dead. Yes. <laughs> How I, crazy am I sort of thing. <laughs> but yeah, mostly to I need to I need to literally dig this out of my brain. Yep. And try and make some penance here. And the fact that like he continually like, is not punished for these things is also one more thing Mm. that tells him he's the sane person in a crazy world. And if you recall, he's actually someone who's not lost anyone. Yes. Right. I mean, his wife, he lost her to the guilty remnant, but not during the departure. So one of the central mysteries and one of the theories I have is that Lori did had a departed fetus. Okay. We don't, we don't really know Well, cause so that's interesting is that, the Garveys are fraudulently not lost anyone and that we know that that, that, well, we speculate that that's one of the things that broke shit. I can't remember Mrs. Garvey's name. I don't know. Um, the one who joined the guilty remnant, his wife. Yeah. But it it broke her psyche. And it kind of laid a lot of people theorizing this Jarden experiment is all fraudulent, Mm -hmm. but the, the, the Garveys don't know that. Like, there's this okay. fraction or family, and they, why are, do we feel this way? We should be better than this. But there is something core to their family that's missing. And 
you know, it, it had collateral like that damage took out their mother, which maybe took out their brother, which has tried to take out Jill. But she seems to be the one person who is kind of healthy and fine. And I think that's interesting. I wonder if there's going to be an instance where Kevin finds out about this child that he never had. And maybe if that will put that will be a puzzle piece hmm. that he needs to get healthy again. I don't know. I mean, how is he going to find that out unless it comes back through Tommy, I guess, because it's apparent that Tommy is in the process that Liv Tyler was in in the first season, right? Where he's yeah. maybe joining the Guilty Remnant, but not so far in yet that he can't talk. Yeah, he and then could he's be dri- the, he's wearing he the white. He could be yet. the Meg. The yeah, it's Lori Garvey is the mother. It, okay, he could be the Meg in this situation. I don't, I don't know. I'm interested to see what's up with him and his mom, but. His yeah. mom wasn't wearing white either. I thought she was. Was she? I'm I'm not sure about that, but I thought so. I'm not either. Um, damn, I meant okay. to, to to really look at that. And I mean, I she wouldn't go in and it. say anything to her daughter, so that's an indication that she's still part of the guilty remnant here. Uh, so he goes and he he passes this cop with a body in his back of his truck, <laughs> and he gets pulled over. Next thing, he's in a detention cell, and mm. Sergeant Nicolette Fury shows up, and. How badly did you want to know about her eyeball? Because when he demurred about wanting to know about her eyes, like ask her about the eye, you dumbass. I thought this the is eye... your one job to be my to be my surrogate in this this show. I thought the eye got departed. I thought it was a casualty of the great departure. Well, so I had a couple eyes, uh, or a couple eyes. Jesus, a couple of ideas. Okay. Ideas. She's literally turning a blind eye to Kevin's actions. Mm, it's figurative. Or she's also pragmatic enough to realize that an eye-for-eye policy would leave the world blind. Like Maybe he was mixed up with this, maybe mm. not, but this woman was odious, and if I put away everyone that did something crazy, the entire town of Mapleton would be strung up. So Yeah, I got more of the vibe like the government doesn't like the guilty remnant either. And especially this oh, woman, yeah. and maybe no. she got into an altercation. I think with we one know of that them. from how they handled Holy Wayne. Exactly. Yeah, they're actively against these cults that are forming. Uh, so she was not hesitant to just say, "Fuck the guilty remnant. I don't care what you did to them. Good for you." Plus, I felt like there's something to that question when she said, "Do you want to blow your life up?" Like that's a genuine question. Yeah. If you are done, and you want don't want to be out here and you want to be somewhere else, I can make that happen. You will be behind yeah. bars and you'll have your three hots and a cot and life will have structure. And But if not, like I thought that was super interesting that she's, I don't, she's super compassionate with him. Do you think we'll see her again? Well, it's, so it sounded like maybe she knew him. Like or his story rather. Well, yeah, not him personally, but she had that, heard of what went down in Mapleton, sure. and she knew that he was heading up that whole thing. Which that and, implies that Mapleton was a. We speculated if if whether the Guilty Remnant was a nationwide branch, which yeah. kind of is in the books, um, and they implied that on the web, the you know the Guilty Remnant website they cobbled together. But this Mapleton operation seemed it was solely in Mapleton. I think so. Yeah. So, but what you were saying um, about you know that question, do you want to blow up your life? It goes to it. It asked the question also that we asked earlier: How crazy is Kevin? Right? Because at the end, he's sleepwalking and he ends up in the river. Yeah, is that him trying to blow up his life? Is that him trying to get out of this whole thing? Or is that the demons in his head with Patty and everything influencing him beyond his Don't control? Have enough information because he does seem I, like yeah. even his daughter picks up on it. Like, are you trying to fuck this up? Yeah. 
So his dad comes back this episode. Who I love mm-hmm. Kevin Senior. He's great. Uh, yeah. I like I like a swearing of nothing else. <laughs> and he's cured. And there's like he's a very funny guy. Like when as soon as his son finds out, he like instantly goes to grab the the, the baby girl. And his dad like grabs him. He's like, oh 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 oh, you're dubious. <laughs> I can see. And I thought it was at first. I thought he meant like you're the crazy one now. Mm, and, but no, no, it's no. like no, you're you're dubious. You just about don't my want claim. a crazy dude having. Yeah, and here's the thing: he does not seem insane now. He seems much more sane than Kevin. Uh, but it's because he's following the voices. He's giving in. Yeah, he's that's not such the great dichotomy of the show. Is like now he's outwardly looking good and fine, and he's released from his mental institution. Yeah, and he's going to Australia. Do you buy yes. that he'd be le- released from a mental institution like several months after he tried to escape it, and he did a lot of other crazy uh, shit? I don't know. I'll go with it. I'll go with it. I, I buy Again, it enough. Do you, do you have any idea how overburdened the psychiatric industry must be in this situation? Oh, I'm sure. How many people have committed themselves? And yeah, yeah. I, that's the thing. Like, man, there, this concept is so sci-fi that it's hard to know. Oh, there's no way this would happen. At least for me, anyway. There's a line in this scene that I'm really wondering. It makes me question what exactly is going in on in Australia. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen, you know, the letter to Australia last episode. Now Kevin Sr. is going over there, and he says, I can sit around and cry about how the world ended, or I can start it up again. What does that mean? Australia is a giant pair of jumper cables for the world. And what can he do to start it up? I don't know. I... Is this another cult? Is this an Australian cult thing that he's glommed onto? Like... If everyone in Australia blows a dirigididoo... At the same time, and with the brown note, then the, it reboots the world. I don't know, but I'm and then it super drains curious miracles to find out. Water, and you know, a lot of people were like, you know, because there's this Cairo plot and whatnot yeah. about that didn't really go anywhere. It's kind of like a little hint about what's coming. But I wonder if I don't. Australia geography feels ma- bigger. Geography matters, right? Yes. So, you know, there might be some nexuses of points or ley lines or whatever that that is important. I mean, I don't know, and and I don't know how much I care, um, but I I, yeah, I care, I care. We'll, co- I, I like we'll come back stuff. to geography mattering. Yeah. when we talk about Nora a little bit. Well, but one thing Kevin I want before we move still has more stuff before we move away from Kevin Senior. Yeah, do you think the voices that he hears is someone that he killed hmm. in a fit of of madness slash peak? Did we ever find out why he had all that money buried in his yard? We did, didn't we? And it wasn't as bad as we expected. I uh, know. I don't remember what it was, why it was in the coffee can. Okay. Oh, it was, yeah, it was some kind of judge case. It was some kind yeah. of corruption that he had recovered. Maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. I don't know when he started going crazy either. I, I just feel like that there's, maybe that's a thing that. The, the, the whatever voice is inside his head is somebody he feels responsible for the death of. Could be. Uh, what do you think about the, the impulsive decision to move down to Jarden, and especially contrasted with his frustration at Nora's later impulses? Like that? I, I think it's a good call. I think they both needed that. Um, having the daily reminder in everything you do that things are not right here is probably bad for your insanity. Mm-hmm. probably bad for your feeling of, of security. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like they took their time planning on where they'd go, which I'm not sure how that lines up with Matt already being there for a couple of months. Like, Well, they flash. 
I think he was there for a month. So I think that actually, this, when I was watching the second time, I was trying to pick up the the time cues, and I feel like yeah. him saying "Let's get out of here," and then Matt serendipitously calling like a day or two later. Like I, and we might even see that later on because there's a whole lot of shit going on with Matt and his wife. Yeah, that's got we we have to get addressed. Like it might be sure. five, it, we might be through five episodes before we actually find out what happens at this fucking lake, man. Maybe so. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that that's yeah. like any other show. I'd be like, what the fuck? But but I feel like moving is a necessary thing for them at this point. And so and the, so su- why... the, the suggestion of moving spontaneously, I yeah. think, was was good. I don't know how they decided on on Jarden. It, it's got to be Nora decided because. It's Miracle National Park, yeah. and no one's been taken, and she's going to feel secure there. I do think that there is a different level of consent. Like, he's like, you guys want to get out of here? And everyone kind of was able to say have their say on that versus her just deciding to, hey, we're going to rent, now we're going to buy, and we're going to spend all of our money buying, or all of our oh, money yeah. buying. Oh, yeah. They spent time planning and saying, hey, we're going here. I also think that part of it is he's afraid that house is going to kill him. You know, it's Maybe. like, if you are... Thinking you're going crazy, maybe not have a gun in the house. Yeah. Well, now he's got a house where the gas doesn't work properly and lights are exploding. And oh, the new house, yeah, the new yeah, house. Yeah. Like he's like honestly afraid. Sure. Like I'm, my unconscious mind is trying to kill me. Yeah. Like like he might be terrified that there's just too many excuses for Patty slash him slash whatever to do himself in with this creaky old house. I don't know. I do. I mean, not that he needs any help, because like later in the episode, he apparently tries to drown himself with that cinder block. But yeah, um, I love the part where he physically fought with P- Patty, and we see how he got the cut on his head. And they, they, the way they played that, it's hard to tell whether she physically, corpor- corporally, yeah, yeah, grabbed his head and smashed it, or whether this was him having kind of like a a, a psychic break. So, is Patty real? I don't think so. Do you think the answer to that question says more about you than the evidence in front of us? Um, I, I don't know. So you have to buy into because you're coming you have to really a... buy into the supernatural um, angle of this show and believe that it's more than just the departure that is supernatural, right? You have to believe that there's some continuing presence of some kind if you want to say Patty there was is a, real. there was a change. That yeah, happened. and I don't think that's true. Every indication I get from this is the departure was a one-time event. Yes, it was unexplainable, um, but I don't think anything has changed beyond that. So that's why I go to no. She's she's not real. What do you think? So we talked a lot about the water symbolism, and the one thing I didn't think about is also you know the the concept of baptism. Yeah. Do you think? What do you think about the water when Jill turns on the tap and it runs rusty and muddy and then turns clean? Is hmm. that is there anything we can draw conclusions as far as Jarden? Because is Jarden like this the the muddy water that's going to eventually run clean? Is that showing us that there is danger here? That you know that this isn't as as clean and pristine as we think it's. Go- I mean, I think that's obvious. I'm trying to think of yeah, why I... they showed that deliberately in in such a water heavy symbol symbolism uh, symbolic season so far. Yeah, it's a good question. I hadn't thought about it though. I hadn't really considered that, right. oh, there's more to this water than just this disappearance. We can kick it to the, the rear, see if they come up with something better. Okay. Speaking of miracle, I will say that this almost silly dreamlike quality to the state park or the federal park of miracle is 
I'm not quite sure about it. It's it's a gypsy nightmare outside. It's man. not that I don't like it. It's just I feel like this is the most out there part of the story for me. Like like the people have congregated around. Not just that, but the federal government has made this into a state park within the amount of time that the show has said has elapsed since the departures. Like that's the federal government taking an active position in the specialness of this town, which predicates a certain belief in the supernatural. Because otherwise, this is just a statistical anomaly. It really is at yeah. its base level. So the federal government no, is just jumping it. all in on this to like I, you know, the the park, the the, the Department of Wildlife and Parks and whatever it is yeah. um, that Leslie Nope heads up out of Pawnee, Indiana. I don't think they run like official ghost houses and things yeah. like that. Like I'm not, I'm not, not buying it. I'm just saying that the whole inter of this, this being a town that's real and people work there and deliveries have to come in and out of it. And it has to be a vibrant town with highways going through it and all that with this like almost lockdown military prison is something about that bothers me and feels unrealistic in a way that like Nora's mm. conference going through all the kooks and all the religious cults and, and the, the riots in Mapleton don't feel unrealistic. Yeah. I hmm. don't really know what to say about that. Like I, I guess it's something that doesn't bother me if they've set up this, this whole, you know, division of the government to, provide for the needs of these people who've had a departure like i i feel like they're acknowledging that something beyond the pale has happened here um just by doing that but yeah i don't i don't know i I don't have a problem buying that okay honestly um i do like kind of the we get to see almost like the um i don't know you know how you go to like the hoover dam and there's the big dam out there but then there's kind of the Almost museum sure, type thing every inside. Got that. Yeah, you go to Mammoth Cave, and there's the Mammoth Cave I Visitor like Center. A lot of the design there. They got like the uh, the globe showing all the departures, uh-huh. and and I, I assume I didn't see this, but I assume somewhere in there, miracles this blank spot. I did. I thought where... there's Jarden with a zero on, on okay. the display. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. And then people were like throwing their photos underneath that dome. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. Photos of departed ones, and I'm thinking like every every day that the parks people come in and sweep the photos away you know and burn them or shred them <laughs> a, a portion of them right like you don't want a building up but you don't want none to be there well then... it's like the mall you know like there's pennies always in the fountain but yeah. you know someone goes and cleans them out because otherwise, otherwise would be it full. would be all copper and no water <laughs> yeah it'd yeah. be a jeff bezos fa- fountain special but i thought it was it was fairly well realized sure as far as the park goes now did you catch this when the they drove over the bridge under the bridge I thought, sure, that crossing the bridge was that gray, beigeish Volkswagen that Evie's friends drive. And the day oh, the camera movement slowed down so we would catch it. Like, huh. they were going over at the exact time the Garveys are going under, which is another crossing paths, visual sort of crossing and, and where these lives are intersecting. And there's a bunch of others. Like, huh. the Garveys tried to rent the place, Isaac's place, right? That yeah. that John burnt down. Uh, Michael's Murphy's grandfather, who you think is his grandfather, he's the I old man so. that's got yeah. the Christmas lights that wanted to, he wanted to pray with, mm-hmm. says to Kevin, I can help you with your situation. Which is 
let's not make a mistake here is classic fortune teller bullshit like is it i see a guy who's got distress on his face and i say i can help you with your situation and then i give him oh uh i'm I'm picturing an s so you think that this is an he you think that's maybe why no i'm saying is skirting around because he's another one of those charlatan types he might be he might be or he might be genuinely connected to some oh, kind just of like force. Isaac like, last week. Oh, right? you got a birthday coming up? And number one, you guys have known each other since you're kids, so you could know exactly. that he's got a birthday. But number two, that's also yes. what is coming up? Three months? Like it's or, another example of how Or if it just happened last month, like, yeah, it's a whole other cold readings work by casting wide nets that have big yeah. things that people can like make their own patterns. And you get out them of. to give you the details, and right? And then you start filling it out as Because everybody get, has it's an some it's situation sure. in their life. Everybody. Sure. Yeah. Especially if you're coming to this location. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're coming to Miracle, it's for a reason. Yeah. And you have a situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then Patty's saying, I'm not sure if they're a part. I mean, that's an explicit connection here. So there's tons of tons of connections. Oh, what do you make of this? So okay. when they go into Miracle, yep. we see the population sign, right? Uh-huh. And it says 9,261 people uh, in Miracle. Yep. That sign can be changed. The, the population number mm. is on a separate sign that is kind of hung in front of it. But that's the way all towns are, usually. Do you think it was like that before? Yeah. It must be. It must have been, yeah. Because everyone said, like, Mike, that's, it's, when they're doing their testimony in the church, they're quoting that number. So, yes, it can be changed. My question to you, related yeah. question, mm. has anyone died of natural causes in Jardin since then? I, I, yeah, I think it's clear that... People because are allowed else to move in, right? Nine thousand two hundred eighty-one like, thing is kind of bullshit. Well, so that—that's the thing. I think with these auctions, that's what's happening, right? Like people either move out or they—they die or like for some reason there's a reduction in the population and they refill that with these auctions. But that's weird because you can't guarantee how many people are going to move into this house. Or like, like there were four before, and sure. now there's a family of three or eight or yeah, and they're, whatever. They're subdividing their house so people can rent from it and all that. But stuff. for some reason, know. I'm getting the impression that the population is strictly controlled to stay at ninety two sixty one. Huh. Well, it could be. But I'm a, not sure I why. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that the government's got some kind of study where they see. I mean, obviously they're studying the water, but yep. they see it as important to keep the population thus. Like it's an experiment, like a cabin in the woods type of experiment, even that hmm. the townspeople don't even know. It's some kind of, I wonder if we'll have something like that. What do you think about the dog quarantine? Cause the dogs were a big part of last season and you know, the taming of the dog savage heart coincided with this kind of Kevin's you know, grasp of sanity. And mm. now the dog is quarantined for 60 days and Pat and, and Patty's going back. to watch, watch over him. What does that say about Kevin? Is that just, I mean, I, I don't know. I never fully understood the dog and the animals in last, uh, season. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's, I, I don't feel like I had a great grasp on that. So right. I'm not sure what quarantining of the dog other than like you mentioned, Patty is back. Right. So, and we might get more information as the season develops on that too. I mean, yeah. Who knows? I think it's going to be interesting once the dog comes out of quarantine to see how things change for Kevin. Um, while we're talking about while we're talking about Murphy um, crossovers, did you notice the the Holy Wayne's baby blessing the poison pie? <laughs> I'm showing you a screen cap. Touch, touching, touching the pie that may or may not be poisoned. I yeah, I know blessing and poison are. But this is assumptions. I did not I did not crop this at all. 
This was the camera. It went from Kevin and him talking to it. It, it swooped oh, yeah. down to her and stayed there for seconds until it came back up to her face. This baby's touching this pie, and also the baby's outfit. So it's our- the exact same pattern as the. It's it's a yellow checkered pattern. But it's the same pe- checkered red checkered pattern as the pie. I. No, you're right. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting if the po- the po- the the pie was poisoned and by Isaac maybe. By or somebody, mm-hmm. somebody's gotten a two alarm or three alarm yeah. fire. Yeah, and and yeah, Holy Wayne's baby took the poison away. Lily, right? It's Lily. Yeah, with one L. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Uh, uh, that, stranger things have happened in this universe for sure. We talked about how, like, you know, the kind of economy of what they showed, what they didn't show. I was relieved to find that Jill is not with Evie, because that's something I speculated that they're going to pull down half a block and be like, hey, new girl, come ride with us. Yeah, no. Nope. So she's safe. That's cool, because she's very interesting now. Um, did you know? Does John gr- know? Uh, question about the Garveys moving into Isaac's house. Does John know? John know about what? Does he know that they were the family that was going to move in before he burnt down that house? Oh, surely not. I wouldn't think so. I don't think it's personal. It's it's a personal I think it's a nice little coincidence, though. I agree. I agree. <laughs> that now they're his new about, neighbor. We're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you notice a girl in the passenger seat of the, I think it's the Volkswagen. Giving Kevin the eyes. Devouring the him. sex eye. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I get How it, could you not notice I that? get that he's a big dilf. Sure. Uh if I was like one percent gayer, I'd want Justin Thoreau <laughs> for myself as uh-huh. well. Um, and you're a hundred percent straight, so ninety nine percent, you're you're off the rails. There. Well, you know, there's a scale. It's this can who knows where I, where I fall along <laughs> that, but I do think that forty two percent, one percent more, and I'm sucking dick or letting someone suck my dick. But anyway, that's enough <laughs> about me. Um, I feel like that's another thing that kind of makes him feel like this is the wrong place for me. Because you'll recall last season, yeah. he kind of escaped this this uh, the other teenage girl that that was was after him yeah. after his bod, and he's like, "Oh Jesus, this again." Um, mm-hmm. I, there's, there's a lot of things that I see from Kevin's perspective are unnerving, and from Nora's perspective, she's just kind of got blinders on. Is this meant to? mirror that or is this like a sly pointing it the show pointing it at and going haha no no i don't you think it's more than that i i mean this damn show i feel like everything is everything so no knowing lindelof he likes to throw jokes in sure just for the sake of a joke and i don't know but i think there's plenty of jokes that work like the garvey's confessional scene that are funny on the face of it the smoking thing and kevin with his dad that are that are funny that you don't need he doesn't need to do the kind of sly wink but i you're i couldn't rule it out okay let me gauge your honesty level when kevin says i love you to does is that is that genuine does do you think he really loves nora i think so i think so too I think he's not being honest with her on a lot of things. Well, I, th- I think he's it's afraid, part of the... but I do feel like he loves her and she loves him. I think it's part of that rock thing too that I was talking about. Well, before. That, like but that's what I see. That's what I'm getting at. Like, that's not love. That's clinging to a life preserver, which is a different thing. Well, there's some. I don't know. I feel like there's some kind of realization he has that, like, you know, being mutually fucked up in different ways has kind of bonded them in a way that he would not necessarily bond with anyone else and that he sees part of that as love and part of just, they get along really well. And yeah, I, I think it's, it's a 
complicated stew with a lot of ingredients, but yeah, I think he does. So then the music swells and he's falling asleep and I'm thinking, wow, that was a fucking great episode. And fades to black. <laughs> then he wakes up at the bottom of this dry lake bed, oh coughing God. up water, the cinder block tied to his leg. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I we speculated that he might think he's connected to the disappearance of the girls or in fact be connected to the disappearance of the girls. But this was like, yes, all that. And, and, but you didn't you didn't see the cinder block coming, did you? So here's the other thing about that. If if Evie is gone uh-huh. and Evie has been departed or claimed whatever, the same quote unquote miracle, the disappearance of all this water, that claimed her has yeah. saved him. So it's an interesting inversion on on those two families, right? Well, also, so let's I'm gonna jump ahead to Nora because I got a whole bunch. If you think, hey, where's Nora and all this? Well, I got a whole bunch yeah. of bullet points for her. The MIT nerds sell Nora on this whole ge- geography matters. Yeah. Kevin had his dick inside a woman when she departed. Yeah. So there's two ways to reconcile that. Number one, the MIT nerds are wrong, which of course I'm open to, and th- that Nora is chasing a fallacy. See what I did there? Um, or Kevin can't die because he's special with a capital S. Hmm. Like Kevin will try to kill himself in the universe will rewrite itself so that he cannot do that. And Potentially. Are we... Man, I'm, I keep on thinking of like... Because I take Damien Lindelof, Damon Lindelof at his word. So are that, you saying that he caused Evie to disappear? By being there in that moment and ne- forcing nature to... The universe to save him, he killed possible. Evie? Possible. I mean, not directly, but yes. Yeah, like certainly. The, uh, but his presence killed Evie. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a possibility. Hmm. Were they going in to save him? Maybe they saw him? Ooh, that would be interesting. Got washed away. Does he tell Nora about this? Like, I, I if no, so, when? Well, so like, there, I have all these questions. Number one. And what does that do to how her feeling? How many preposterous coincidences? Because like, if this isn't supernatural, how many preposterous mm-hmm. coincidences are you personally prepared to be cool with? Because right now we have an earthquake that opens up a yawning chasm underneath this lake that drains all the water at the exact moment that he's about <laughs> to drown and go down for the count. Uh-huh. While these girls are swimming in it, presumably, or they got the part. Like either way, it seems like a mountain of coincidences. And I, you know, I'm the guy who's like fish tornado bullshit. Two airliners spanked each other bullshit. Yep. But I feel like with this supernatural event happening, that it kind of it's like actively shushing me. That's what, can, what I didn't what can like you about Fargo. Out? Is this an act of God or not? Yeah. God damn. And Breaking Bad, I know it's not an act of God, so it's bullshit. Here, it's like it's Schrodinger's bullshit. It could be bullshit, <laughs> and I just can't see it because I haven't opened the box yet. Yeah, there's nothing. Maybe, nothing you maybe can really Lindelof rule out. will never open the box, so we'll never know. That'd be awful clever of him. Indeed, indeed, I think that's his plan. Yeah, because I mean. You know, we talked about this, like, at what point will this be fatiguing, where you just pile up on so many mysteries, and it's like, well, I'm not answering them. I don't know. Sure. And and also, I feel like that there's mysteries that can be solved, like, what's happening next, and there's mysteries that won't be solved, like, what is the nature of the departure? I don't know. A couple of notes here. His fingerprints are all over that car. Yeah. Handle, the window. Yep. I think he rubbed his nipples on the glass at one point. (laughs) Will that be an issue? It could be. It could be. Does he reveal himself to John? Like after Pat, that's says, a bad uh-oh. idea. Oh, I think reveal so too. yourself to an attempted murderer. 
yeah. that, that you may have caused the disappearance of his daughter. What were you doing or at here? Least were well, there the time? I tied the cinder block to myself and was trying to commit suicide. A guy who burns down houses for charlatanism. And does he hide this from Nora? I feel like he probably, or maybe this will be yeah. the thing. Like he'll say that I slept block and I tried to, and I did this, but like, like he'll, he'll again, if my thesis of crazy actions are fine, mm-hmm. actual crazy is he's not comfortable with. I, I don't know. I wonder if that'll hold true. I don't think it's going to be right away that he tells her. Um, and th- the other thing is that's gotta, that's gotta be a problem. So like if this is a supernatural event of some kind, um, then it's got to be a problem for Nora feeling like this is a safe place, right? That's the whole reason she came here, and that's the thing she's looking for. Once that yeah. that safe place idea is cracked in half, I don't know that she's going to be happy anywhere. See, because I don't... destroy her. I wonder if Nora told, told Kevin why she got such an expensive offer on her house. And... Yeah. If she hasn't, I don't think she has. I wonder. I don't either. And I wonder if there will be an instance later in the season where she tries to tell him that story, and he says that can't be right because I was fucking a girl that got departed, and you can't get any closer geographically to someone than inside them. <laughs> sure, I'm sure. Pre- I'd have to check my geometry, but nope, nope. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, and I wonder if that because that's. So so Nora looks a lot more sane than Kevin is, but that's because she's chasing this essential personal force field for herself and her new family. Mm-hmm. And she finds out that that because, man, when those MIT guys came in there and started saying like, I, I'll just go ahead and start talking about because all I got to say left about Kevin is that I really liked the end title song, the Cody Crump's burn. Um, but can, can I just say before we move on? Yeah, there is nothing that Lindelof likes more than having a character shout their child's name. Really? Yeah. Walt, Walt Evie. <laughs> we should do a supercut. Walt <laughs> Evie. Um, and then it. and then show Walt running through the woods, and then show uh, Evie, Evie running through the woods. <laughs> yeah. Walt not nearly as naked. You could just have that loop instant uh, endlessly. Uh, that scene where the MIT guys came. Yeah. Was man, she she really really carried that. Um. That she started off like amiable and kind of like, wow, this is a lot of money and then kind of defiant and then offended and shocked, but then like scared. And she did it all in like 15 seconds. And I just thought the way they developed this idea of like, are you saying this can happen again? And the guy's like, why wouldn't it? Like, that's a great question. Sure. Something happened once. Ergo, it can happen again. Seems logical. Yeah. And it's got her kind of unhinged to say nothing of the idea that like if she was just a few feet differently arranged in her kitchen that maybe she'd be with her family which that all Mm -hmm. builds on our understanding of the day of her departure the fact that she like if if she wasn't so pissed off and the kids spilt her milk and she was just instead of being like god damn it bullshit and getting up if she had just but like laughed or something like yeah she wouldn't be a leftover And now she's pinning all this stuff on the magic town of Jarden. Like there, yes, somewhat something will pull the rug out from underneath her. And wow, I don't even know. Um, but this yeah. episode, like, she just relentlessly moves forward. Like, do you, you know, I want to move in with you. My bags are packed. What do I need to know? Um, in you know, like breezes through the house being burnt down to I'm I'm selling. I, I want to buy this house for $3 million. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. By the way, the practical side of me was driven nuts by her negotiation strategy. Sure. You don't go 1.6 to 3 million. Although, uh, the other way is. It does like, scare everybody off. The auction like psychology. How high will she go? Auction Holy psychology. Fuck. Like, okay, I'm only going to spend $100 on this stupid t shirt on eBay. Oh, um, now eighty dollar bid, but now it's one hundred and twenty dollars, and yeah, I could justify five more dollars. Where if someone comes in five hundred dollars, oh fuck that! Yeah, like it kind of sh- shortcuts the auction mentality. Yeah, no, no one's gonna think, oh well, she's not willing to go to three point one. Yeah, <laughs> but it also shows Nora's like this really formidable woman, and we've seen this before. But her, like, you understand that the bid? Yes, I understand that. Thank you, and. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've seen she's very competent and and intelligent and aggressive, and she can get what needs to be done done. But, but the real tragedy of the leftovers, I gotta say, is that Matt paid three million for his house too. That's just <laughs> a true tragedy. He got yeah, he got he got he a got, bum deal. He got sure. fucked. He got a bath. He got half of a bathtub, Mary. Not even the full <laughs> thing. Um, uh, but. I don't, yeah, just, I can't say enough about this Carrie Coon. She's like, you know how we say, like, someone's yeah. a poor man's version? She's uh-huh. like a rich man's, a billionaire's version of Francis McDormand. Shit, who is that? That's, uh... I the, recognize the, the name. The chief of police from Fargo and a bunch of other... Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Okay, sure. Like, she's kind of got that same vibe and that, like, intelligence and ferocity, mm-hmm. but... And, and like I said, uh, this is not a, a, a slam at Francis McDormand. This is like super high praise for Carrie Coon. I can't get enough of her. I think she's freaking awesome. Yeah, me too. So in the end, she buys a real shithole place with massive curb af- appeal. Like this place looks like a million, like three million bucks on the outside. It looks like uh, something that Jesse'd be smoking meth out of circus season four, Breaking Bad on the inside. On the plus side, it's big. It's big. And this show has me going insane because I'm like, are we supposed to know or take something away from the disconnect there between a house that looks like it's been lovingly maintained on the outside and has like all this landscaping, the yard looks mm. great and everything's well maintained on the inside. There's yeah. like torn wallpaper and everything, you know, blowing up stoves. Although the, the, the lights, the hardwood floors are really nice. They are. Yeah. That's definitely a plus. You don't even have to get those refinished. No, you don't even have to pull up any carpet and look at all these hardwood floors I discovered. <laughs> um, Matt, I, God, Matt was funny. To, speaking of the funny things, the whole like, oh, we have a tent. And yep. we have the Garvey's building the tent. His By the way, his wife is totally unchanged, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what he was going on about in episode one do with you the think, recovery she's made, but it's not miraculous. Do you think that when no one else is around that she gets oh. up and and or, or not literally gets up and walk, but he he hallucinates her in the same way that. Garvey Jr. hallucinates Patty and Garvey Sr. hallucinates whoever the hell he's hallucinating. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I would say maybe Matt sells this story for a little more than it's worth. Because what like is maybe, oh, she, she was bedridden and couldn't even sit up before, but now she, she look at her. She's sitting up. Yeah, she 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 blinked. She winked one eye at me one time. Maybe she was slightly worse in the first season. I man, it seemed Did like she, she ever was in a bed. I, know. I don't remember. no. No, she had that full time care. Now she's sitting in church. She's, she's sitting, but, but she in always chair. sat in Matt's church. She was always sitting in the front, Did she? right, uh, right out by. His yeah, well, then she's not any better. So what is Matt not telling Nora? Not telling Nora. What do he's you mean? got a he's got a Kevin seeing Patty level secret that he's not because she says she and she intuits you're not telling me the whole story here. He's got something more that's going on. With what his part wife is or, that? 
when when they're putting together the tent, he's evasive about why he wants to be close to the church. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not he's hiding something from her that's crazy and I don't know what it is and she doesn't know what it is and I wonder what it is. Did you have any ideas? Hmm. No. You don't have to theorize cuz god I don't I got I got nothing. I feel yeah. like it's something to do with his wife maybe or something about the town well, something and something felt off about the way he came into this church as well. Like I don't know if it was that a, it was a predominantly black church. I wonder if he's in that shitty house was... because the minister is really afraid that John will try to burn his house down because he's eventually going to get wind of whatever he's saying about his <laughs> wife. You can't stay in and my the house, minister's but... like, uh, stay in his garage attached to the church because surely John won't burn down the fucking church. Just the garage. <laughs> maybe, right, maybe, I came up with that on maybe, the spot. Maybe that's maybe that's something. We do know that he has a certain affinity for burning down rentals. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Jill. All right. Jill seems almost magically healed. Yeah. Did you buy that? Uh, Man, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, she she seemed to have it put together this this episode. I feel like her father saving her from a burning building like Mm -hmm. that massive and instant display of parental love and devotion is what she needed because her mom abandoned her. Kevin her had cares, checked yeah. off and he and, or checked out and he was doing a bunch of crazy stuff and maybe making passes at uh, Amy and, and, and that like yeah. that's, that's all she needed. She needed to know that her parents in their way cared for her when the chips are down, when yeah. the chips are down that she was going to be protected and they, they, they loved her and that's, that's her love tank is full. And, and now she's okay. I, <laughs> I think she, she got away okay. from those annoying fucking twins. My God, <laughs> thank God. Oh, I'm so glad you moved me out of that Frickin town. Frack. Yeah. I hated those guys. <laughs> and they were always round. What'd you think about her meeting with her brother, Tom? And there's like a lot of kinds so we of, find I don't out want that to she knew, you. yeah, she knew about the baby, yep. right? Yep. That this was Holy Wayne's kid after uh, the fact. Obviously, they've been in touch this whole time. It seems like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we didn't know that last season, but I, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm I'm coming across these two similarities between the pie and the baby, and maybe that's the link that they're trying to make with that shot of the baby touching the pie. What the hell does that have to do? Oh, they're, they're both, both left on the porch, yeah. And then consumed. <laughs> and then eventually <laughs> consumed, yes. Getting your Walking Dead into your uh, leftovers here, Jim. Well, you know, supernatural stuff is happening. I, I don't know. I don't know why she's so happy all of a sudden, and I don't know what Tommy has to do with any of this. But I think we're going to find out next episode. I thought that when she tore up her mom's letter that Tom tried to give her, Mm -hmm. that really hit home for me. And then the way her mom kind of caught her eye, but not really like it's the way if you're looking at a stranger and they look at you, you kind of look away like that felt real. Um, I mean, that's yeah. Touches on a lot of experiences I've had with, with uh, members of my family and cults. And, um, you know, one of the reasons, like, I feel like this show is personally made for me. Yeah. Because that just like, wow, really, really punched me in the gut. Anything you want to talk about that? Because I got one other thing I want to talk about. No. What's the other thing? The fact that Jill has an almost shocking level of insight into this new family of hers. Like, she's able to see what Nora is like. She wants to be safe, and that's why she had no, to be No, I think it was the other way around. Kevin was obnoxiously oblivious because he was so concerned with his own 
problems well, with Patty well, and getting the demons out of his oblivious? head. Yeah, like because Jarden was his idea. I guess he thought that everyone's riding his coattails. When it turns out that no, Nora actually had her own reasons to come down here. Oh, so I I didn't know that it was Jarden. Like Jarden was Kevin's choice. I thought. Well, I assumed leaving, that was Nora's leaving. And yeah, yes, yeah. yes, leaving was. But I assumed that Nora had heard about this place miracle where no one had departed, and she wanted to come here because it was safe. Uh, especially after that geography speech mm-hmm. from MIT. Uh, so I assumed it was her doing and that him not realizing that she wanted to come here to be safe yeah. was her, uh, Kevin being oblivious, whereas Jill, not concerned with demons in her head, yeah. <laughs> was able to pick up on that. I I don't know. I just love this version of Jill because she's, I think she, like what she said to her dad at the end was incredibly brave and kind and a loving way to approach a serious problem with your family, like, I wish I was that graceful. I mean, they always tell about... trying to blow this up? That sort of thing? Yeah, and, and not Are you like... to fuck this up? And he's like, do you think I'm fucking this up? And she's like, not yet, but you're showing potential. She has a way of... Yeah. I would say, like, you, get, you need to tell the truth with love to actually communicate. And I... The best I can do is, like... I love you, but you're acting like an asshole. I, <laughs> I, right. I don't think that's as effective. Just be like a bland statement of like, I, you do realize I love you, but um, I, I don't know. She's just really funny. and Well, I, that's I, what I, happens I, when you put a bunch of talented writers in the same room and let them come up with dialogue. That's, that's versus true. Versus trying to explain to your child that they're being an asshole on the spot. That's true. <laughs> Um, I want to hit you with one more miscellaneous thing I found on Reddit. I got some stuff too. Okay. Okay. So there's someone, someone did a, a photo comparison of the miracle entrance and the way that like you go in this metal, metal sign mm-hmm. and there's like this crossing guard with the gate of Auschwitz <laughs> that has a German phrase work makes free. And at first I was skeptical okay. when I just saw someone made it, but then when someone actually found a historical photo, like that's a very, I mean, with the gate and the vehicle gate and all this stuff, it's very close. And I wonder if this is, you know, obviously something's off about Miracle. But oh yeah, this the whole fact that this is almost like a camp where you're not free to come and go. And it's not just the outsiders. It's, mm-hmm. it's not to keep the outside out, it's to keep the inside in. I think yeah. that's that's deliberate. This is a deliberate psychological, like this is subconscious information that we all have absorbed from from the popular culture and that Maybe so. he's intending to use this language to make us feel a feel this kind of trapped about it or am I full of shit? No, there's, there's just enough there to make me think maybe I'll put these like, I'll, I'll put the, the baby pie picture and the miracle. Okay. Uh, Auschwitz picture and our show notes if you want to take a look at it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, even um, the angle of the gate swinging open looks the same. Jesus. Yeah, it's almost like they had that photo on the desk and were trying to recreate yep, it. That's exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from, you know, like one's got a bridge, one doesn't. But, well, yeah. Uh, it's pretty similar. One's in su- a suburb of uh, Austin, <laughs> one is uh, presumably in Germany. De- definitely. Austin or Austria? Maybe it's not. <laughs> oh, God. Auschwitz? Australia? Uh, oh, man, it's all coming around. Austin Witch is what it bullshit is. Bullshit circle. Uh, so I got I got something else for you. Okay, hit me. And this is because I got nothing but feedback left. Part of the reason why I I think Lindelof's winking at people during this episode, making jokes and snickering behind the camera. Do you know what nine times two times six times one is? No, 
I have no facility with math. It's 108. 108. Do you know what the number 108 is in uh, in pop culture significance? It's the prime factorization of Jesus' birthday. <laughs> no. No. 108 is the number that all of the numbers in Lost added up to. The lottery number? Hurley's lottery ticket number? Hurley's lottery ticket, the, the numbers on the hatch, number. the broadcast numbers, ah, all of it. Yeah. Okay. And the 108 was this big thing in Lost. So I feel like that's Dim, uh, Damon Lindelof poking fun. Uh, just just having a little fun. It better be poking know? fun, because if I see a hatch, I'm I, out. I I'm fucking out. I don't care if it's uh, the next episode. I see a hatch. The dog it hatch. It better be Richard Hatch, because any other hatch, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be anything Losty in here. It's just... I thought that was a cute little nod to his old show. Alright. Uh, what else you got? Uh, that's about it. Okay. Well, if you'd like to send us feedback, because we're about to get to that point in the cast, you can do so at leftovers at baldmove.com or on the forums at forums.baldmove.com. Michael P. said, you mentioned the Michael... I'm sorry. Michael P. mentioned, you mentioned the magic population number of Jarden and then the Dunbar house. We're at thousands of hours listening to the Joe Rogan experience. Watch out. Oh, Watch boy. out. We're going... We're going to some really thin tinfoil here. <laughs> uh, I've heard this term many times. Dunbar's number is a suggested cognitive limit to the number of people with whom one can maintain stable social relationships. These are relationships in huh. which an individual knows who each person is and how each person relates to every other person. I've heard of this as well, and it's like the number's like 100-ish. Like that's how much a, a real community, that's how many faces and names and people you can feel like I'll take a bullet for. Like in a tribal sense. Okay. What does that have to do with the population of this town? That you can't like <laughs> obviously if they let all these these damn hippies in, it would go away. I mean, maybe it's it's this sense of community that protects them. I, I I don't know, but I don't doubt that this is a um a Lindelof reading this stuff and throwing this stuff in there too. Okay. Just the idea. What if he has like a fucking notebook? Where every time he's instead of like I browse Wikipedia when I'm waking up in the morning, I don't think anything of it. He's probably with a notebook and like, oh look at this Dunbar. If I ever need a name for some bullshit weird post apocalyptic thing, I'll, I'll yeah Dunbar. put Dunbar with a concept. There you go, and and you just use that later on. Uh, Daniel C says went back and watched the treat the teaser trailer for season two where the cars are lined up to get into Jarden, Texas. Is it really as simple as these people just want to move to Jarden, or is there some hidden meaning in this trailer? I live in Austin, Texas. The fictional town of Jarden is filmed in Lockhart, Texas, which is about 30 miles south of Austin. That's cool. And also, Austin's a cool town, so good for you, Daniel. Anyone who knows this part of Texas knows it's very hilly, with pine and cedar trees everywhere. The desert, which is where the teaser takes place, is the western part of the state at least 200 miles away. Hmm. Is there really a 200-mile-long waiting list to get into Jarden? If so, did something else happen, another departure that caused thousands of people to flock to Jarden? In Central Texas, earthquakes are very, very rare, especially one strong enough as, uh, to be shown in the first episode. I'm thinking these coincidences with other rare events like departures. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking these coincide with other rare events like departures. Mm -hmm. Are we to believe just one is going to happen ever, or will there be others? And this it's Good interesting because earlier in the podcast, or earlier, earlier in The Walking Dead, when we were recording that podcast, Tom from Volkswagen... Um, mentioned that he is aware of the area that Alexander DC, where the walking dead is taking place. And he was calling a bunch of bullshit and geographic figures. And we're like, eh, yeah. you know, it's Georgia, not Washington DC, whatever. 
I think it's here. It's like, okay, I, do you think that the, the trailer for the season was filmed before they finished all the photography or when people hear Texas, they think desert. I, I I'm trying to think like, why is there, uh, when a mix- I hear Texas, I think desert. I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that there are a lot of hills and trees. See, I lived in Texas and I lived in a Dallas Fort Worth area and I think flat plains and he's thinking hills and like Texas is a big ass state with lots of geography in it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think that the people that come up with promotional stuff are very rarely directly and intimately tied to the people that are making the show. And I, I think that you could explain it. I don't, I don't think we're going to, although it wouldn't surprise me if we see 200 miles long <laughs> wait to get into Jarden. I didn't feel like that's what they're dealing with the, the Garbies in this episode, but I don't know. I, I mean, feel like it's probably my line is like, it's no joke. You got to bring supplies. That's like yeah. the line for star Wars episode one <laughs> longer than that, man. Like I've, well, pe- the people who I've been in like a ten mile right? line to get in the old Verizon Music Center during a popular concert, oh. and it's you know what that's like. You've been, it it oh, takes yeah. five hours to get through that. Like yeah, I mean you you need you would facilities built along the road almost. Although to, they do make a point of these, line. there's been people that were camping for weeks and were trying to buy yeah wristbands of the Garvey. So I don't know. It's it's one of those things where you know. Your local, we talked a lot about this in The Walking Dead, but this contents it down is your local knowledge does not trump the national knowledge. And if people think, yeah, you know, like Jim over here yeah. is thinking Texas and desert, and I'm thinking armadillos, 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 whatever you want to call them. Uh, I'm not thinking rolling hills with pines. I like the frankly. armadillos, you, you know, with a little bit of queso yeah. and some, you know, oh, yeah. Cut them like a pizza. Never eaten an armadillo. Toast them up. I imagine they taste like chicken. I imagine they taste like an armored asshole of an opossum, and I don't want to eat an opossum either. <laughs> William I. said, I've heard that there are attempts at parallels between the Garvey and Murphy's families. One such possibility is the bagel from last year versus the cricket from this season. I mm. believe there is no cricket. There is something entirely, this is something entirely in Mr. Murphy's head that is brought on by some regular occurrence, like seeing what? a person or him feeling no. a certain way or some sensor input that will be shown later. No, man, I disagree. His family knows about it. Well, he says that in his view, the family seemed to be placating him for possible spots of where the cricket might be, not really looking like they wanted to help get rid <laughs> of it. They should get him some serious psychiatric help then. I Not placate the man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see what he's saying here, but... The way that they were playing was like everyone heard it, not like, Dad, you're crazy hearing something like that. Like, that's not how they were playing. It's more like we hear I it. I thought so, too. Yeah. Who cares? Um, but he did it would explore or parallel the questioning of what's real and that's real. that was explored the bagel plot line of last year. Sure. I think uh, I think it'd be interesting if it wasn't real, but I really think it's real. Uh, so Cecily, co-host of the American Horror Story and My Life. Who, who's that? What's that podcast? I don't know anything about it. <laughs> it's, a, it's right underneath your nose, man. It's, it's <laughs> a, a pirate pirate podcast on Bald Move. Huh. It says, the most pressing mystery is that in this episode for me is, where did they return the U-Haul? Is there a rental place in town to return <laughs> it, or do they have to go through that entire entry rigmarole roll again? They made it clear there were no hotels, so... are there? Is there a, de- is there a separate departed show that could be made from just U-Haul trailers? Two oh, percent of the world's the population trailers of U-Haul just... trailers just go missing. They never get returned. 
<laughs> oh, must have got deported with it's the rest just, of my family. It's just a line item for U-Haul's tax return. How many are trailing? I think they're thrown them? to the gypsies. Like <laughs> here, here, miracle gypsies, just use this to make shelter. Yes, yes, make 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 be warm and well fed. Yeah. Tommy A said, "Man, I was hoping this wouldn't become really tropey with Patty coming back and talking to Kevin, but it is." I guess I'm a really I'm a hmm. little jaded from watching eight seasons of Dexter, but I have zero patience okay. for this kind of thing. I absolutely loved the first episode, and the one this one was so so for me. I found myself anticipating all the stuff we saw in the premiere and just waiting for Kevin to hit his head or for Patty to show up. I also, or I do love this the aura surrounding Jarden and the theme of geography. But when it comes to Kevin and his river adventure with the brick, I'm a little worried. I don't know if I can handle a show where the main protagonist is a certified crazy person who is talking to ghosts. Rick being off and on crazy for a season on The Walking Dead got old quickly. I just hope they don't overdo the Patty angle and have her show up in every other scene. I don't have this problem. And I don't even anticipate this being a problem. But I feel you where it's a little tropey, though. Yeah. You see that in a lot of shows. But everything else about the show is kind of unique that yeah. even the tropey aspects, there's different plays on it. Okay. It, it, it didn't bother me, but I understand. Yeah. There's this book series I read once that had a a character that was inside the main character's head. Uh-huh. And you were left questioning whether it was real or not. And it started off very antagonistic. But later on, they formed a very close friendship. Like, it, like this person became a confidant. Um, this is, it happens in the Dresden Files, which is a kind of silly book series. But um, and I didn't want to name drop it because it's this is a more serious show than that. But I wonder if one interesting thing they could take this is where Kevin now hates Patty and is afraid of Patty, and Patty's antagonizing him. I wonder if it is just a symbol of of him giving in and doing what she wants if if they'll turn the corner on that and they'll become buddies. Maybe. I don't know if he can do what she wants. Like, I don't know what she wants, A. Him to go to Australia, obviously. Right? And B, can can he do what she wants without getting into serious trouble with either his family or the authorities or who knows? I don't know. It's how the crocodile don't, uh, hunter died. Yeah, it, I mean... It's, Being in I, Australia. <laughs> I guess it's more interesting to see how he's going to deal with her than it is to see, I don't know, for me, than what she wants. Like, how how do you deal with something that, especially given the history with his father, like, how do you deal with something like this? I don't know. When you're Kevin. I don't know. Uh, in an incredibly well done and artistic manner so far. I mean, Skrillex is not going to do it forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that band was, but yeah. Alice M says, one of you mentioned that you can't imagine a show going more than a few seasons. This is Alice is a relatively new fan that listened to all of her back catalog and is all caught up. Hmm. And one of the things we talked about is we couldn't imagine this going on for a few seasons, but I can definitely see it doing so. I'm seeing this as an expanding concentric circle, like Kevin Garvey's tattoo. We see in season one with his family, one community, um, whose influence will be far-reaching. Season two, we move to another part of the U.S., add a new family and new information and other dimensions. Using information from the show itself and the alphabet, that we talked about the alphabet of the departure that's on the HBO website, I can imagine this continuing, the role of individuals from the Garvey Corps developing and localized events becoming worldwide. The possibilities are literally infinite mm. and becoming much more interesting than what had happened to those who disappeared. 
I will say after seeing the first couple episodes, I don't have a limit to how many of these seasons they can make as long as the mysteries are still interesting and the characters are still intriguing and that I'm still pulling for them. Yeah, I guess if I'm trying to imagine what a season two without the Garveys might have looked like with only the Murphys. Yeah, because I you still could, feel like that could be interesting. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, you could just go to a different family every season if you wanted to. Yeah. Like, this isn't as Kevin Garvey's is story as long... I mean, it could be if he's special with a capital S. Yeah, yeah. But this isn't like Walter White where, you know, if if Breaking Bad went away and Dean Dean Norris or Agent Schrader moved to, te- to El Paso and we just went with him <laughs> and his wife for a season, we'd yeah. be like, the fuck? Get back to Walt. But I think this show could survive and a completely I think so. and almost an anthology of what this era is like. Now, eventually that would have to tie in some bigger answers about the themes of the show and whatnot, but I, hmm. they could probably do that. Yeah. They could probably do it through the religious angle, frankly. Yeah. These cults are springing up. You imagine about like reality TV or, or, or like police procedurals. I wonder in a post departure world, if there's like some kind of NCIS cult, investigating departures yeah like it's like you know it's like and then they have just different rip from the headlines cults they're dealing with because they got like the Uh, that one the one-eyed lady was working for the aftec which is the bureau of alcohol tobacco firearms explosives and cults yeah yeah. in this culture i wonder if you'd have an atfec cults or you know Maybe that would be like you know it's some, some meta shows. I'd like to see one. Yeah, of those the culture in the that's springing up around this. Yeah. is also very interesting. Yeah, how I that hope would we get more of it. Yeah. Uh, Danny H from Manchester says, "I think it's great how they managed to carry over the feel of season one, but have it blend in with a completely different style and aesthetic for season two. It's so much the same, but also so different. And I can't even put my finger on how they've achieved that. Yeah, I, I agree." Uh, some observations on the first episode. I think the bizarre behavior we saw from the town of Miracle was people reenacting things they did on the 14th out of superstition and perhaps fear of being departed. For example, the lady watering her grass may have been getting married on the day of the departure. John must have <laughs> had... So she just always wears a wedding dress? Or at least, yeah, at least part of the day. Every, okay. John must have had bacon on a separate plate that day, which explains why he's so insistent on it with the waitress. For whatever reason, the old man may have slit a goat's throat in a restaurant, perhaps as <laughs> some kind of feud. Uh, that's uh-huh. the shaky one, but yeah, the, the, we didn't sure. talk much about the bacon separate from the eggs, but it would be interesting yeah. if everyone's got their own little rituals that they're doing because they're... We, we hinted at that concept, mm-hmm. you know, with the goat guy. Um, right. Maybe he's some something he was doing was protecting the town and the guy on the pedestal and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we didn't mention the bacon at all. Knowing Lindelof, we'll probably get an awesome flashback episode that explains all this and everything else that's going on in Miracle. I guess we should look out for an episode called Murphy's at their best. <laughs> mm. Yeah, waiting for one called Murphy's Law. Hmm. Uh, I think Clayton C had the nine times two times six times one equals one oh eight. Um, that you pilfered from him. So. Yes, sorry. I was uh, re- I was reading through emails and I kind of apparently that number comes that up a lot in J.J. Abrams stuff too. And well, Carlton lost. Fuse. Well, J.J. Abrams certainly. So it's not exclusively a Lindelof thing. It's oh, it's, maybe it's, so. It's a one hundred eight thing. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I, I don't I don't know where else it is in J.J. Abrams' work, but he was a you know producer or whatever on Lost. Well, and Carlton Cuse, I mean. It seems like you mentioned something about 108 being a cabin in the woods when we did that commission podcast. 
Like that was one of the cell numbers that was Maybe. mentioned. Maybe. But I yeah. don't remember. But I yeah, I buy it, sure. Like I know, I mean, we're not these guys, but we were always trying to work in the number seven with uh Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's a that's a significant number for bald move history. Bungie does the same thing. They have the number seven, they're putting for it in. No real reason. No real reason. You know, it's just I privately mean, amusing to, yeah. So Yeah. That's all the feedback we got. Again, you can send it more more to us at uh, leftovers at baldmove.com and on forums.com slash oops sorry for, that won't get you where you're going <laughs> forums.com god no. knows where you'll go if you follow that but if you go to baldmove.com nope i fucked it up again if you go to forums.baldmove.com that's the one that'll like, send you to the forums where we have sure? an episode by i don't know are we did try i try them all did try i just wake up wet with a cinder block strapped to my leg <laughs> i i maybe who's to say what's patty.baldmove.com are you real yeah. Or am I just doing an elaborate ventriloquist react here? Maybe you've been having a dream since you were a child. I, it's, You're I, still having the dream. You're still a child. I wouldn't take much convincing <laughs> to 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 right? treat that as a fact. You wake honestly. up, not, I, none of this religious bullshit has happened sure, to you. Sure, sure, sure. You fell asleep in a fourth grade science class. Yeah, no. No, I, I will say that if Armageddon ever does come, my first thought won't be, what the fuck? How can this be happening? It'll be like, God damn it, I bet wrong. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was All so right. sure of my rational explanation. Yeah, I'll totally be like, nah, you got me. You got me, big man. I'm ready for judgment. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, we're going to be back, you know, next Tuesday with another episode. Sure. We'll see what uh, Tommy and Lori are up to. I'm excited. Yeah. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. See ya.